0: Thorny, as we venture into the RR, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state, and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Sister IPA is probably one of my favorites. But we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a Mountain Man Scotch Ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a Mountain Man, but you are right. I do love
1: their Mountain Man Scotch Ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their Golden Bobcat Pale Ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite Bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson. And as always, go Cats.
0: Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans! Thanks for joining us on another episode of the RNR Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. Across the state from me looking pretty good tonight. Kind of sleepy looking, though. It's my good buddy, Ryan Thornburg. We are part of the R Catcast. We are the Ryans of the R Catcast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we are sponsored by Jeremiah Johnson Brewing, brewing dink beers in downtown Great Falls with a second tap room over in Quarter Lane. Thorny, how are you doing, buddy? Well, I'm a little sleepy. I had the kids all day by myself.
1: My my wife is uh worked like twelve hours today. I took the day off, but I had twelve hours of kids by myself. I'm a little exhausted but her than that. Man, I'm
0: doing fantastic. How are you doing? Yeah. I'm doing good. Holidays have been going good. Christmas is good. You know, New Year's is not quite here quite yet. It's only the twenty seventh when we're recording this. But uh snowy. It's been a ton of snow, a ton of cold, and I like that. We need that. So that I'm happy for that.
1: How's it ha- how's it been over there? It's been absolutely like Single digits over here,
0: ooh, not that bad. You were like in the teens, Nothing like Montana, though. in Canada. Holy cow, I looked at some Canada weather today. Those guys, minus thirty. Wow, just brutal up in Alberta. <laughs> oh, yeah, that wins. They win. They usually yeah. do all right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode. We are in this weird time between when we just played the semifinal game and three weeks until we get into Frisco. So Thorny and I talking about today. What are we going to do? Got a couple of guests fall through, and so we are going to put together an episode, the path to Frisco, with little to no preparation. We're going to talk about how Montana State got to Frisco, and we're going to give you our first preview <clears throat> of the North North Dakota State Bison. We will focus in on our breakdown of the Bison next week, the week before the game, so we're not going to go too deep into their personnel, but we're going to take a look at their schedule and uh, how we both got to Frisco. Yeah, I think it'll
1: be, uh, without going too deep into matchups or game previews, kind of a little recap and uh, yeah, just, just kind of give our takes on how we were feeling at the time during the Bobcat season, how things were looking, how we were feeling, like you said, and just kind of... I don't know, recap the season and how do we make this run? How did we get here? How did the Bobcats make it to Frisco? How did the Bison get to Frisco? We'll kind of break it down like that. And then I'll uh, probably answer some questions on the back end, some Golden Cooley questions. So yep. let's give it a whirl. This is uh, kind of my brainchild. So if it's terrible, I'll take responsibility. But if it's awesome, I will take all the glory. <laughs> As you should. As <laughs> kind you of should. I'm feeling it's, it, 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 it could be the former, but let's go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right on. Okay, but before we get into that, we are still drinking beer tonight. We do have beers in our golden coolies. Tony, let's start with you, buddy. Montucky cold snack. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> did, did I have this last week? I don't even remember. I don't think you've ever had a Montucky cold snack on, on the, the show. R- I have before.
1: I want I uh, specifically this is all I drank uh, against South Dakota State. <laughs> it's all had. Nice. So here we go. I got some Montucky cold snack left. And uh, yeah, have that tonight. It's a nice little light lager if you never had it. I mean, it's like Rolling Rock or any other tall, watery, drink a whole bunch of them type beers. It's fine. It's not even brewed in Montana, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right on. I don't think I've ever had one. Fine. I'll have to try one. Yeah, <laughs> I see them around. I just have never purchased one. All right, I have a Rainier in mind. So both very. Ooh, <laughs> we're going classy beers. tonight. You know what I like about Rainier though? <laughs> they put. Oh, I like a lot of things about Rainier. It's a good uh, beer, but they have like this uh, kind of Jubilee can, or they have, you know, like snow scene. You got a little Christmas oh, tree that. going on. I'm not sure if ever a little seen Rainier a Rainier bottle, a different Rainier like, can before. Yeah, got a couple guys like the the old Rainier cans, snowboarding and skiing. It's good stuff, <laughs> man. It's in the festive mood. Rainier is one of those
1: companies that doesn't have to do any marketing. That can can, as long as it's got the big R on it, like nothing else even matters. <laughs> that can 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 look the same for fifty straight years.
0: Is Rainier specifically? Is it kind of a uh, Pacific Northwest thing? I don't know. As
1: popular in Montana, I know. In fact, I mean, it's one of the first beers I ever drank. It was Rainier. So, I I mean, it's brewed in Seattle, or it was at one point anyway. So, it is a Northwest beer, or at least its roots are that. I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's a nationwide beer, but. Probably more Golden Colorado
0: is where it's brewed right now. Yeah.
1: Consolidated, bought
0: out, whatever. Because to me, it feels like on par. With like Pabst, yeah, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if, if it's like if you find like, do you drink Rainier in Ohio? I don't know.
1: I don't know. So, I think you, I think you drink Miller Light in Ohio. These are all the same yeah. beers, really: Bud Light, Miller Light, Rainier, Pabst, Montucky Colesnacks, Rolling Rocks. Might, They're all the same. You category. might get some
0: ire for some from from some of our listeners for saying that. <laughs> They're all in the same
1: category. I'm not saying they're all the same taste, but they're all in the same category of
0: (laughs) macro beers
1: that you (laughs) can find anywhere.
0: All right. All right, Thorning, your brainchild, man. Hey, we're going to give it our best. (laughs) Where do you want to start?
1: We'll start at the beginning, man. Game one. I want to kind of break things into segments. I don't want to go game by game, but the first game is worth talking about. Brent Vegan. The first-year head coach of the Bobcats, first game against his old team, Wyoming, the offensive coordinator there last year. Now he's the head coach of Montana State. Lose that game 16-19 to on a last-second touchdown by the Pokes. How are you feeling after that game? Let's just start there. How did you feel about the Bobcats coming out of Laramie?
0: I was really optimistic. I thought our offense was something we hadn't seen in a while. Matt McKay was passing it all over. It seemed like he was a breath of fresh air. Although you and I had been huge Tucker Rovig fans, so that was that was something different. You know, I had to get used to Matt McKay being our quarterback and Tucker Rovig not being our quarterback. But overall, coming out of that game, I was really pleased, and then also disappointed at the same time. We should have won that game. Uh, I, I still to this day, I feel like Willie Patterson got job on that return where uh, sure. there was no block in the back to be seen. And uh, had that not happened, you know, who knows? You know, the butterfly effect. After that, if everything happens the way it does, Montana State would have won that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, that was a uh, the call that still haunts me a little bit and changed kind of the trajectory of our season in some ways. Like, at the for most of the season, didn't didn't feel like too big of a deal the loss. But the man that cost us possibly a, a top four seed. But you know what? What does it even matter anymore? We're in the national championship, but. Uh, that game made me think like this team could be special like we haven't competed particularly well against fbs teams in a while i feel and wyoming ended up being mediocre they won their bowl game and then the, like their entire offense just entered the transfer portal from what i've been seeing the last couple <laughs> days oh man uh but yeah i felt pretty optimistic about this or it was our first um first time seeing Matt McKay at quarterback 19 to 28 for 200 yards and two touchdowns that kind of became a staple of Matt McKay for the first half of the season. I felt really good about our defense. Fonz, went over a hundred yards on this one. Like, let's go. Like I felt good about it coming out of the loss. I felt like this team could do some damage and maybe we're not going to take a step back. Like maybe some of us may have been concerned in the off season. Maybe the culture under Brent vegan may have changed, but I think this erased a lot of my doubts right off the bat. Nice. All right, next two games, Drake and San Diego. I mean, we won these games by a combined 97 to 17. I don't think it would (laughs) have mattered who was coach or who even was really starting a quarterback or running back or anything in this game. I remember being a little frustrated, in particular against, uh, I think it was Drake. They were stuffing the running game fairly well. I thought our offensive line was kind of... Wasn't doing a good job of locking, a member in one of these two games. But overall, I mean, 45-7, 52-10, like what are you going to do? with That's easy, easy wins to wrap up the out-of-conference um, schedule. How are you feeling at this point?
0: Yeah, well, they're hard to parse out in my mind. I mean, Drake, you and I were there, and so that's the highlight for me is going to the Gold Rush game, uh, 45-7. to Like you said, we started a little bit slow, a little bit sluggish in that game. But then I remember Willie Patterson had a couple big plays and then it was just off to the races. We looked, I think, a little sharper in San Diego, and even going into Portland State, which I think was a non-conference game for us uh, this year before the conference slate started. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, these two games felt exactly the same to me besides one starting at 6 p.m. and one starting at 1 p.m. Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah, they're easy to blur together. McKay, 256 in the first one, 224 in the second one. Yeah. It must've been the Drake game. Cause I'm looking at it. The only had 60 yards rushing and he was our leading rusher. I remember have struggling to run the ball in one of those two games. So, but yeah, two easy wins to kind of tune us up to get things rolling into the conference slate. First game, Portland state. That was a bit mm. of a challenge. I remember watching that game. That was the first time we got tested, obviously besides Wyoming, but after the, you know, the two other games, that was, that was a good test. And, that was, that was a good win. That, and looking back, that was one of our more solid wins against a pretty decent Portland state team.
0: Yeah. And we were nervous about Davis Alexander. We had to take the trip down to Portland. It's the first time we were going to play against like pretty much a, a low crowd. And it, it looks right here on, on the wiki page that we had like a little over 4,000 fans. But one thing I remember about that game was Elijah Elliott had himself a game. We were doing some different things with the passing to the running backs, specifically Elijah Elliott. And, uh, I just remember being super excited. Like I was like, wow, if we're going to start passing the ball like that and having some diversity in our pass game, I was like, I can't wait. And then in that back half of the season, that all went away. And so I kept referencing that back in my brain as we were going into each of these games. I'm like, all right, I hope we get that going. It never reappeared. Yeah, you're right. There's was a uh, prone states where we had to come back at the end. But
1: yeah, we saw some more diverse things, and I think we're still – Throwing to the tight ends at this point. I see I see Jaden Smith had a point uh, catching this game. This is where Afonze, first time, I think, carrying the ball 30 times. 30 times for 217 yards in this game. Kind of a the theme of the offense or vegan only trusting Afonze, pretty much. Like This is where things started to disappear for the rest of the running backs. And that's what kind of got frustrating to me as the season we're on, is the lack of production from any other running back. And I don't know why that is. They gave all the carries to Isaiah Afonze. But a good win on the road—the first test for for Brent Vegan and the new staff and the new players to play in a non environment. Yeah, like Wyoming, you know they had twenty-some odd thousand fans, twenty-five, whatever it is. Pretty good crowd there, obviously. Then we had the two home games, and now welcome to the big sky, Brent Vegan. Here's here's the Portland State squad in Hillsboro at a at a multiplex city thing that's not even on campus. There's four thousand people there. At least fifteen hundred of them are probably Bob Get fans. Welcome, welcome to the big Guy. <laughs> but a good win.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, Montana State traveled well too. I'll just say that briefly there. Yeah. We had a, we had some home uh some guys who had some kind of homecomings uh in that game and uh Montana State has traveled well all season.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That's a, been a theme of it too. But uh let's keep moving here. Uh the next two games are kind of Again, this is where things blurred together a little bit for me as well. Now we got Northern Colorado and Cal Poly. We win these games by a combined ninety ninety five to or i'm sorry eighty five to fourteen. The only thing notable is the Northern Colorado clipboard gate where Max McCaffrey broke his clipboard in half and Threw the souvenir to a fan in the stands because <laughs> <laughs> he said he had oh, man. small pants. And then he apparently, after that comment, must have asked, like, hey, can you give me that clipboard? It's uh, – what a weird weird thing that was. But, McKay, 276 and 163 here. Fonze again, 114 yards on the ground in Northern Colorado. First time real seeing some Tommy Milana action here. 74 yards against Cal Poly. I remember he had, like, a 60-some-odd-yard touchdown run in that game. First time we kind of really saw – what touchdown Tommy could do. But again, a couple more tune up games. Now we've had four of the first six games at home. How how you feeling at this point?
0: To me, this felt like the demarcation of like, this is mid season. And now we're getting into our real games thereafter. Uh, Northern Colorado. We looked awesome. It's probably statistically one of our best games. I know for passing for Matt McKay probably was his best game. It was Cal Poly. I can't remember a darn thing about that game to be straight up honest with you, but 45, seven must've been kind of a boring game to watch, but we had been skating this, the whole narrative about the Bobcats is, are they really good? Because we've been beating every team that, uh, we went out and played except Wyoming, right? But we, we handled business in a large fashion, just creaming our opponents but we hadn't played anybody. That was the whole narrative behind the Bobcats looming the next weekend would be Weaver. So I just remember getting through this stretch, Ryan, just going, Yeah, I think we're all right, but who knows? We got a we got a big test coming up.
1: Yeah, four of the last five games, uh FCS games all at home, the one road game at Portland State, just crushing everybody. But the combined win loss of all those teams was absolutely atrocious at the time. There might have been three wins combined between the those five programs. That, at this point in the season. But he, yeah, this is where, and this is a theme for the season and what gives me real hope going into Frisco. And I've been talking about this, beating this horse. It's monkey tossing season, as I keep calling it. The first monkey on the back, Weaver State, hadn't beat them in quite some time. Jeff Choate was never able to beat Weaver State. We hadn't beat them since what, 2012? Am I remembering that correctly? This is all memory here, but it had been almost a decade, I remember. been a while we go down to Ogden on a game that it was on was that like on ESPNU this is the one yeah this is the Friday night ESPNU game which not a huge network but you know pretty big big time for a big sky conference to get a Friday night ESPNU game and we win this game 13 to 7 in an absolute slugfest and this is where the trajectory of the the Bobcats' season started to change drastically with the performance and how this game played out. But at the time, I was over the moon with that win because I thought Weber State was still a s- solid squad, and a thirteen yeah. to seven win on the road, I w- I was ecstatic. They were were they ranked at the time? Yeah, they were still ranked number nineteen at the time. So that was that was a yep. huge win for the Bobcats.
0: Yeah, uh, Montana State was ranked ninth. Going into Stuart Stadium over there in Ogden, and in front of a crowd of six thousand three hundred twenty-three people, I, I I really get I got I got to say Weber State they got to show out better than that. I, that's just poor, for, given the fact that Weber State's been Weber State. Uh, that you and I both had, right, or maybe just I had us losing to Weber in, in the preseason kind of preview. We both did. <laughs> Jay Hill just did. had our lunch for the last what five years? I don't know, whatever, right? But yep. yeah, you and I. Well, Jay watched Hill hasn't lost well, to, the,
1: to the Bobcats, I don't believe.
0: Yeah, until this year. Y- you're right. I watched this game uh, in an in establishment after my running group. I still had my running group on Friday, and I remember I was like, you know, I'm just gonna go back and watch the replay. But this 13 to seven win was never felt comfortable. Uh, is uh, Matt McKay how many yards does Matt McKay have that 76 game? <laughs> yeah so that is when his something second, weird
1: is first of two games in the year where he throws for less than 100 yards
0: yeah i just remember our defense i think that was our the first time i really it was like our defense is legit i mean they were legit against these lower level teams but then we held held a weaver to seven points do you remember that play in uh, Troy Anderson got that pick? <laughs> yeah. Like there was like one Weaver guy in the whole vicinity and he got tackled by the Weaver guy. I was like, oh man,
1: we almost had a pick six there. That's the one where uh, I think it was Daniel Hardy punched the ball up and it came from behind and just like uppercutted the ball. <laughs> and then, boop, right up in the air. And Anderson hung yeah. down with it and the guy just grabs his ankle. And it was, it was a weird play because everyone else kind of stopped moving. And as Troy Anderson just slowly gets like drugged down to the ground, it was pretty weird. But yeah, what a. What an awesome win. And yeah, I think that's really solidified because I was, I mean, I was in the same boat as the rest of the national media. How, like, how good are we? To me, that solidified it. I don't think it solidified it to a lot of other people, but at the time, it did for me. And, and looking at our rankings, it's pretty funny to see the look, looking at this on Wikipedia. Started at number 12 After at Wyoming. We, we moved to number 11 and then we dropped to 13 after beating Drake. Stayed at number 13, 11, 10. We were number nine going into the Weber State game, and, and next week we were number eight. It's just like this just one jump at a time <laughs> the entire season. Yeah. But man, yeah, I, I was feeling real high at this point. I was feeling real good. I was pretty frustrated with the offensive performance in that game, but I figured if our defense can do that, the offense can be less than perfect.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think I was as confident as you and our team afterwards. It was really nice to get the win against Weber. But to only put up thirteen points, thirteen seven still had a lot of, uh, a lot of questions in my mind. Spe- specifically, uh, Matt McKay, like what happened? He went from passing around two fifty, on average, into what did you say, seventy seven or eighty seven, something like that. Yeah, it was it was very 16. concerning. Yeah.
1: Well, the next game wasn't any better. This is the interesting game against Idaho State, where Chase Benson was out, and I remember that thinking that was a big deal at the time. And Idaho State came into town and just ran the ball. Like sixty some odd times up the middle. That's all they did the entire game. They were on their third or second or fourth string quarterback. I don't know. They were they rotated a whole bunch of quarterbacks, but yeah, Matt McKay just ten to twenty one for one hundred and thirty six yards and two touchdowns in this one. This is a you know start. This is kind of the beginning of the end for Matt McKay. Like this isn't a bad game necessarily, and you win the game twenty seven to nine. But this is where things just started looking different and feeling different.
0: Yeah. It was a game where we were expecting just to dominate, but we were being dominated on the line of scrimmage. And then we never felt like we just like had these guys taken care of until the very end.
1: No, no, it just, it didn't feel good. Like as a, the game was never really in doubt, but it may have been 10 to six at one point. I'm looking at the box score here. Some in the third quarter. So maybe, but you didn't feel like Idaho State could really do anything, but I couldn't feel like we could do anything either. It was a ugly game. I mean, this, yeah, like I said, it's kind of the beginning of the end for Matt McKay.
0: The offensive of woes were still continuing on from Weber. They, were. they weren't getting solved. And that was the biggest thing. I was like, what's going on with our offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the, this is at the point, too, where I think people started. This might have been the first time people were claiming for some backup quarterback for McKay to be benched. But I think that he stemmed the tide in the following week and kept his critics at bay with the signature win of the regular season at Eastern Washington with a 23-20 yes. to 20 win in Cheney. Matt McKay, 253 yards in this game. Isaiah Fonse 217 yards. I remember specifically Matt McKay is probably his best throw of the season when he started the ball like on our own five-yard line. And a two-play, 95-yard drive. First play, Matt McKay throws a beautiful, beautiful pass to Lance McCutcheon for like 40, 50 yards, something like that. Next play, Isaiah Fonse Takes it the rest all the way to the house. This was a game I felt really good at about. I felt like we left a lot of points on the board. We should have won by more. We should have dominated by more. But yeah, at this point, I'm like, happiest I've been in a Bobcat fan for, for some time, at least since 2019. But regular season, man, this is, this is the second monkey, right? Eastern Washington. I know you picked to lose this game in our preseason thing. I picked us to win because I just felt like this is the year we do it picked it to do it in Cheney. I don't know what I was even drinking at the time to think that we could do this, but we did it. Man, yeah. how are you feeling after this this
0: win? Best win that uh, of the season, hands down, before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, easily, easily. We made Eric Berrier looked like just like vanilla. He he had nothing against us. He was confused. Uh, he was hurrying his balls. We made him look pedestrian. That's the word I'm looking for. There you so, go our defense was lights out i was frustrated with our offense still we left some points off on the board specifically two red zone trips i remember that just the play calling this was the first time i remember going what are we doing with our play calling and i was really frustrated with that but at, at the end of the day we come a, a come against a win in cheney 23 20 i remember doing um were we doing our, uh, our our after dark at that point we might have or might have Ooh, just maybe, started yeah. that it
1: started right around that time i think
0: you and i were just reveling in it the whole afternoon that was such a fantastic feeling to be eastern that eastern might have been was why what, we started it because
1: we were so like just kept wanting to talk about the big win like let's <laughs> let's do it let's do the after dark yeah. thing
0: so we were number 4 at the time eastern was number 5 so that's a huge matchup
1: Interestingly enough, like the biggest jump we made all year after we beat Idaho State, jumped to number four (laughs) from eight to four. But yeah, what a what a win. Big monkey off the back. And then you're feeling pretty good about the last two games. You think all right, Matt McKay's back on track. He did throw an interception, but I remember it was a high pass to Nate Stewart and it went off his fingertips and it was picked off. So you're like, all right. But you know, interceptions were never Matt McKay's problem. Mm. But anyway, Idaho. This is where, ugh. I know it comes to town. You're thinking stylistically, I'm thinking this could be a decent, like a kind of a bad matchup for the cats, but you know, we should yes. be able to just overpower them like 20 to 13 in a game that Tommy Malott had to basically win by himself. And <laughs> at this point I went from my cloud nine to cloud one. If that's the opposite of cloud nine, if we're going like a scale, <laughs> I don't even know what cloud nine really means, but yeah, opposite of cloud nine, not feeling good. How are you feeling?
0: I hated this game. I absolutely hated this game. (laughs) Me too. It was the most frustrating win of the entire season. I knew Idaho was going to muck it up. You knew they were just going to come out and be physical bruisers. They had their backup uh, quarterback. I can't think of his name right now. Zach Borish. Borish, Borish. yes. And he had enough (laughs) confidence and enough uh, playmaking abilities to keep us just on our toes. They were winning the line of scrimmage. And doing, just dinking and diving us, the same thing they did in 2018 to us. And boy, Matt McKay, 104 yards. Fonse, only had 84 yards. McCutcheon, 61 yards. Like you said, Malat, we had to ride him. Our offense was clearly broken. McKay was clearly broken. (sighs) Just offensive struggles, offensive struggles. We couldn't do anything against the Idaho Vandals and the Idaho Vandals who were just such a roller coaster of team, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows for them. Man, Paul Petrino, you know, the writing was on the wall for him. I mean, at the Man, end of the season, I, I do not even, even want to talk that, about though. this game anymore. It's just getting me frustrated right now to talk about this yes. game. <laughs> <laughs> this did give us the
1: sweet play where Troy Anderson chased down their running back, Elisha Cummings, on that wheel route where he was wide open and Troy Anderson, like, just shoves a blocker out of the way and just. T- Chases him down and almost like punches his head off, trying to punch the ball up. Troy
0: got picked on the on that play. That was Troy's guy. That was Troy's guy. He He had to hunt him down,
1: (laughs) but he just like the just the pick guy bounced off him. He just shoved him down and chased him down. One of the best defensive plays I've seen by Bobcat all the way until the South Dakota State Trey Anderson tackle, but. Yeah, at this point, we're, man, we're I don't fe- know how I'm feeling. I'm i fer- I'm feeling pretty awful going into Cat Grizz. I don't believe in Matt McKay at any point, but I'm sitting here thinking, what else do we do? Yeah. Like, I don't like right. do we start Tucker Rovig and Kat Grizz? In my mind at this point, Tommy Molot. I don't want to start him and Cat Grizz. Like that's mm. just to me this was not a on the table. But I'm like, oh, I guess you gotta ride Matt McKay. And gosh, yeah, what a disaster next week turned into Cat Grizz. We don't even really I'm need. Trying to, to go down that road really if we don't quick. want to.
0: Well, hold on. I would just want to look back in this game. Yeah, we were, we were tied in the third quarter, thirteen thirteen, going into the final, the final. Oh, the quarter. Idaho game still. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It took a last minute or a last drive touchdown by touchdown Tommy to to pull out that slugfest against Idaho at home.
0: Well, we knew this, with, let's see, this was going to put us at 9-1. and one. So, this clinched the playoffs for us. So, that there was something like a relief in that game. And that was probably the best thing that came out of this game. I mean, you you want to go into Cat Grizz with the playoffs
1: already locked up. That's yeah. one less element of pressure add-on to the game. But maybe it would have been better if our backs were against the wall against Cat Grizz. Maybe it would have so, been better to lose to Idaho... Maybe that would have changed the trajectory of Cat Chris.
0: Montana State was ranked number three in the nation at that point, and we sure did not look like a number three team to me. So kind of no. like that fool's gold feeling we've talked about in years past going into yep. you know the biggest game of our season, which is Cat Grace. hey Hey, um, Thorny, let me talk to you real quick about a question. And it's a question that uh, Coulter and his brother Brooks brought up. Do you think the importance of Cat Grizz is overstated? Well, I mean, yes, but no
1: at the same time. Because if you take a step back, it doesn't muck your season up. Now, historically, maybe it does, but it's one loss. It's one game. But in the moment, to the team, to the fans, it's everything. So, yes, it does. Unfortunately, a loss can derail you if you can't get right after that
0: well so, so it's I guess the I don't last, fully the question but so it's the last conference game of Which the year. Sucks. I kind of think so like so it is overstated in my in my opinion. I think that the fan base has put too much emphasis on winning this game. I do believe. To Brooke's point, and, I, and this is not my take, this is his, if we played this game back in early November or October, if you, if you have this clash of these two Titans and they have these rankings, well, they have enough time early in November or late November to recover from whatever loss occurs, whether to Montana or Montana State. Yeah. And so for it to be at the very end, albeit a de facto Big Sky Championship game, it's uh it's importance it's uh gravitas would be a little bit less if if we would have it let's see, october 15th or something middle of the season it could still (laughs) be you know it's still it would still be cat grizz but it wouldn't be this i mean we went from locking up a number two seed and got bumped all the way down to the eight seed simply because we lost this game yeah that seems wild to me like the and the had we not played the Cat Grizz prior to this game. I mean, that's what the Bison get, know. right? They get to play
1: South Dakota State on November 6th. They still played three more regular season games after that game. And they yeah. it, they dropped from number two to number five after losing on the road to South Dakota State. So We dropped it would be from three to
0: seven, which it, wasn't too bad. It would, be, it, it would be better for both teams is for the playoff seating if we would play this game earlier
1: yeah i don't i don't like the stress of it being in the last game i i hate that it's the final game of the season it makes it more exciting and i guess that's probably part of the uh part of it right the part of what makes it so great is it's usually two people two teams competing for the big side conference championship and you got playoff seating on the line and you got all these things on the line but the problem is there's just not enough room for both of us to to have that game at the end, if it was in the middle of the season, both teams could recover. And I mean, if it was played the third conference game of the season, both teams could f- win out and still finish, like, get like one in a two seed. But because exactly. it's the last game of the season, that will never, literally never happen. Mm-hmm. One team's always going to get knocked way down in the seeding and the rankings for losing the game. And it's yep. so emotional. It's such a big rivalry game in a blowout situation. Yeah. One team's going to get bumped way out. And a team that people like us, like the Bobcats, thought was kind of maybe overrated or whatever all season, they they took that as the opportunity to almost kick us all the way out of the seeding. Like exactly. people were talking about the fact that the Bobcats could be jump Sam Houston state for the number one seed. <laughs> and then we went all the way to eight with one bad <laughs> loss to a, to a top seven team on the road. Like if yeah. that's North Dakota state, do we get bumped out that bad? Like if it's anybody else besides the Grizz, does it matter that much? That's a, that's a top seven team. <laughs> yeah.
0: It feels like the Cat Grizz has come to a crescendo as far as fan, fan, uh, fandom has come. And maybe it's just because we're in the place you we are. We, we literally run a podcast for Montana State fans. Is it just our lens or do, uh, do you feel the same way? You mean a crescendo like it's not going to get any bigger? No, it, like it's, it or, Maybe. Or is it at an all time high? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. It's an all time I would say.
1: I think it's partially because Bobby Houck is back because he's good for the rivalry and making Bobcat fans hate the Grizz again. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like, like Bob Stitt, like, whatever. Who's this non Montana guy? <laughs> like, you suck. We're going to beat you. <laughs> but Bobby Halk, you're like, ah, man, this I want to just punch that guy. You know? Yeah. We have a Golden Cooley question about that. And I really want to, really want to make sure we answer that. I'm probably going to forget. But he's good for the rivalry, and, and so is Joe Cho. And that would have been an epic, like, fever pitch. But Brent Vigan's not going to be that fiery guy. And there were so many people after this game, like, Brent Vegan doesn't get it. Brent Vegan, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is <laughs> – like, how good is Brent Vigan? Like, we, we we just went, like, 10 or 9-2 in the regular season and locked up an 8-seed in, in the coach's first year. And people are questioning Brent Vegan because he lost Kekreis. That's how big of a – that's the overstated part of the game of the rivalry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I I kind of agree. It's, it is at an all time high, but, but both programs are at, in really, really good spots right now. So if they're, if both programs yeah. are top five, top 10 going in the game every year, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a huge deal.
0: Yeah. I, I just, if it was up to me and it's not up to me, but I would move this game back into mid October, early November. It would be a night game, something that has really good weather. Hopefully, and celebrate it, but then use that time to recover whatever losses that happen after that Grizz in order to build momentum into the playoffs and not just have this like do or die kind of game that happens right before the playoffs.
1: I agree with everything you just said, except for it being a night game. I can't we can't give that people all day to drink before the game starts.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: They it's already bad enough. <laughs> You're right. There's no way people would die. People would yeah. lose their lives.
0: <laughs> people would die. You're <laughs> probably right. All right. Keep this train going. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't need to talk too much about the playoffs at this point. I just want to. I want to talk about this. this is this is something people have talked about? You not know, you and I have talked about offline. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. Was losing to the Grizz part of the reason that we're in Frisco?
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: No doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people want to admit it, but that was the complete catalyst for finally making a switch to Matt McKay. Cause what was he in this game? He looked awful. I don't even need to look at the stats to know they were awful. Fifth. Oh my gosh. What is Yeah. 108 yards. He did eclipse 108 yards, but he probably had like 30 of them on that last meaningless touchdown drive. This was Matt McKay's worst performance. And at this point, even the most staunchest of, uh, Matt McKay's defenders, like at that point, like, what do you, what can you possibly defend? And losing that game in that fashion prompted a change and kudos to Brent vegan. Cause that was probably a pretty hard change to make, but he did it. He, he made the change and you know, the rest is history if you will, but that's losing that game kind of made the cats rethink what we were doing. And we came out and uh, made a nice little run in the playoffs and was a nice you know, run, an amazing big time run to the championship. What am I talking about
0: and we are like the, the Tommy Millot hype is huge right now. Up top clothing company literally came out with a Tommy football t shirt that I ordered today. It is it is unreal. Of course it's pause. up top,
1: which is ran by a butte guy, so
0: of course. Yeah. <laughs> cool Anderson. <to> understand. <laughs> I said this, I I I did a solo show on Matt McKay when Tommy Molat was getting benched and that came out. I, I did a, a solo show on that and we put that out and I'm, there was something I said in there that I want to say right now, Matt McKay deserves a lot of credit. We were yes. nine and one going into this game. And a lot of that was Matt McKay. Matt McKay did a great job managing the games, making plays when we needed him to make plays, not throwing any interceptions And by all accounts from a fan's perspective, he did the job. It was a little bit frustrating towards the end for him, but I don't want to sit here and dog on Matt McKay because no. we were nine and one going into this game. I mean, I mean, it's a, a full team effort for sure, but Matt McKay was a large part of that. And I have nothing but respect for that guy.
1: I'm glad you said that. Like I was saying, like at this point, how can he defend his play on the field? He was not playing well, but you know, his play is why we were in the position that we were in. And I want to give huge credit to him and, we, we won't talk about the transfer or anything like that, but I just want to say, like, you know, he got us to where we where we were, to where we are, even. Like, and I, you know, he was a big part of the success of the team, and that should not be ever totally forgotten or overlooked, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if we need to talk about it. Touchdown, Tommy takes over, and here we are winning three straight games <laughs> in the playoffs. I think we can kind of fast forward that part if if you want to. I don't, well i don't know let's talk let's talk a little bit about it so how are you feeling about going into ut martin with uh touchdown tommy tommy malat at this point how are you feeling man like, how are you feeling with the brand new quarterback matt, matt mckay we heard the murmurs of, you know matt mckay got benched i guess we didn't really fully know that until just a couple of days before the game started but how are you feeling like on game day
0: well, uh had a lot of feels. Uh, I watched UT Martin take down Missouri State. Dresser Wynn looked like an absolute stud. It looked like Joe Flacco out there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, they were coming into Montana State, and I had no clue. Like, as far as Tommy Mallott was going on, we had heard, like you said, just rumors, and we tried to keep everything you know close to the chest, and we've always done a good job on that, so... I was I was nervous as always going to into every game. I never feel all that confident going into every game. I was really impressed with Dresser Wynn. I can't understate that enough. I thought they were going to be able to pass the ball up the seams on us. But we love to play the cover two, you know, and the cover two eliminates the big plays and the over the top plays, but it allows that kind of middle zone to be open. And that's what I was seeing from Dresser Wynn was he was able to, you know, kind of pick that apart against UT Martin. So I thought that was gonna be a Like a test, but I did feel confident that our defense was going to, you know, rise to the occasion. We had a home game, a playoff game in Bobcat Stadium. I'm looking at the attendance right here. We were 15,237. And so, you know, that's pretty good. I think it was a, uh, was that during, um, that was December 4th. So it was after Thanksgiving. I don't know. I, w- I felt pretty good, but uh, just kind of wondering. I didn't, it was I, better than I, I was expected. My My parting thought on that would be, just to kind of sum this up, I didn't think Malat was going to play a, a big role in the game. I thought their defense would be uh, the talk of the town.
1: Yeah, I don't know how I was feeling. I was uh, kind of excited. Like, all right, well, the change is made. I'm kind of glad there was a change because it was stagnant. It had been obvious since – well, not obvious, but just declining since Weber State – I'm glad we made the change. Not feeling super awesome about it. But what we did in that game was kind of funny. We kind of flipped the script on what UT Martin did against Missouri State. Jester Wynn played against Missouri State. Probably kind of caught him by surprise. I think that Missouri State probably game plan and was ready for Keon Howard. And Jester Wynn comes out. And UT Martin was all prepared for Matt McKay. And Tommy Malaat comes out. So that was the first element of surprise that we were kind of able to spring and I think that's part of the big reason we won that game. And that's where going into Sam Houston State, I'm like, all right, well, now Tommy Mallott's out, cat's out of the bag. How are we going to do down in Huntsville with against the number one team in the country who stylistically <laughs> seemed like a kind of a bad matchup for the Bobcats? Yes. Sir. I know you felt awful going into this game.
0: Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Oof. This was, uh, I thought we were dead in the water going down to Huntsville. There was, I watched Sam Houston State the week before. I can't remember who they played. Oh, uh, it was... Uh, Incarnate Word, I believe. Yeah, Incarnate Word. And, and Incarnate Word's their, their quarterback, uh, Cam... Not Cam, but... Uh, Ward. Yeah, Cameron Ward. Anyway, Cameron Word. One of the yeah, two top two quarterbacks in the FCS was just lighting it up. I was like, these guys are unreal. Oh, I looked at Sam Houston. They looked fast. They looked big. They are fast. They are big. Uh, they looked athletic. I just thought, you know, it was just shades of 2015, 2016. I, no way, I thought we were going to lay it on Sam Houston State. That, that was the best birthday present of my life.
1: Yeah, that was a, I've never seen the Bobcats come out and just land so many haymakers in a row right off the bat and pretty much put the game out of reach so quickly. Gosh, like it got a little closer in the second half, but it was 28 to zero, wasn't it? Dude. <laughs> I still like can't in the believe first it, final quarter score. or early in the second quarter, it was just like, holy
0: cow, what is happening here? <laughs> we, we were up 28 to zero. Yes, what? we
1: were. <laughs> <laughs> that was like one of the highest of highs I've ever had as a Bobcat fan in my life. Just crushing the number one seed, the number one team in the country, just beating them down on the road. Like, how do you I don't even know how to act right now? think about this that's where I'm pretty sure I made the comment on Twitter like I got so much vim I need to change
0: my shirt like it was just (laughs) I was just like so hyped up think about this Willie Patterson passed for a touchdown the next offensive play he caught a touchdown
1: (laughs) that's true everyone talks about Malat scoring all different ways but yeah yeah Patterson
0: threw one and then caught the next one that's pretty impressive too Willie (laughs) yeah It was the nicest ball I've seen Tommy Mallott still throw was that over-the-shoulder fade to Willie sure. really P in the end zone. 42-19, no, where... we beat the number one team on the road, 42-19. That was a turning point of the season for us. <laughs> and it was like literally only two games ago, but it just felt like something is different about these Bobcats.
1: Man, if you didn't know what to think about Tommy Mallott against UT Martin, You had to be chanting Tommy, Tommy after
0: this one. Yeah, just injected into your veins because we took that into South Dakota State and it had the game of, I don't know, maybe our lifetime.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would say so in a game, (laughs) back to back (laughs) games now, the Bobcats being underdogs by almost a touchdown. This one at home against an unseeded. Team South Dakota State. We were like five and a half point dogs. you might have started at like six or six and a half, but mm. man, I don't know. I was actually probably feeling worse about this one than I was Sam Houston State. I was I was pretty happy it was home. That was the, that was my one thing. Like if Bobcat Nation shows up, packs it, gets loud, gets raucous. I mean, this is this is what could possibly tilt the scales in our favor. And boy, did Bobcat Nation show up and get loud for that one!
0: I never told anyone this thorny, but I, in my mind, I, I thought we were going to win this game. And in my mind, I also thought it's not going to be close.
1: You did. I think you did tell me that. I think you said that we win this game and we win it by maybe a couple touchdowns or something. (laughs) Like I was so so good. I don't know why. And I I felt good about South Dakota State too, but I definitely felt worse than I did Sam Houston State. We were so opposite for Sam Houston State. It's kind of funny, but yeah, you were, you were on the. The jackrabbit or the bobcat beating the jackrabbit chain real early on. I mean, I was enough too to buy to buy us some um, tickets to Frisco before the game started. <laughs> so clearly, I felt uh, good enough about it to put uh, potentially lose some money, eating some tickets. But once North Dakota State won, you're feeling pretty good about holding on to any tickets you have because, like, well, if we lose, at least I'll be able to sell it to a bison fan. But. <laughs> Man, what what a huge win. Tommy Lott, two hundred and thirty-three yards through the air. Everyone kept saying like, well, now there's real tape out on on the Bobcats and Tommy Lott. He can't just throw his fifty fifty ball balls all game. Well, yes, he can. <laughs> I'm not calling him fifty fifty balls. I hate that phrase. But we won every single contested ball all game and ran away with this one at at the end of the game.
0: Yeah something I'm still i still find myself going back to watch because it's like the only thing we have right now that's <laughs> and right and it's such a fun second half to watch. Wow, it is just a magical game
1: and here we are I mean, what else to what else to say about this one? if you want to hear us really gush about this one, those are the last two episodes we did were about this game <laughs> specifically even two all time high man and it took days and days before it really sank in. We're going to the national championship. We're mm-hmm. and you and I are physically going to this national championship. The cats are going, and we're going. We're going to be there to watch the cats play for the national championship. Ugh. Like this is this is what being a this is what you wait for as a fan. This is <laughs> this is it. This is all you. You can wait your entire life for this moment, and we're going to be able to
0: witness it in perp- person. I can't wait. Win or lose, unbelievable we have two – do we still have two uh, two hotels? Did you cancel one of them? <laughs> yeah, we do. We still
1: do have two hotels. I <laughs> booked two. Not sure which one to book. Um, I don't know what we <laughs> want to do about that. If anyone's listening to this and needs a hotel room, I guess and reach out to us. We may have to pass it on to you. Otherwise, I'll just cancel it, and it'll free back up, and someone else will take it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> th- yeah. before we get too much further uh, – yeah, let's let's meet up people in Frisco. Message us and let's let's plan a, plan something. I thought Foley and I are going to rent a car. Maybe we'll just do a little tailgate out of the back of our, our crappy Nissan rental car. Bring some Kentucky cold snacks and some, s- <laughs> some whatever beer we feel like bringing and tailgate out the back.
0: You and I, uh, th- I think we should mention kind of, I think I'm a little bit proud of this. You and I got media passes for an <laughs> national <did>. championship game <laughs> don't know, I don't know what, what i'm gonna do it with it. anything yeah i don't yeah. know what
1: we're gonna do with it but except uh if we get a little printed pass that's a memento for, for sure at the very least
0: well we were informed today that uh the press conferences are going online again it's all virtual so yeah they're
1: trying to keep covid out of this please don't ruin this covid please
0: so that is a bummer because I was looking forward to talking to some players afterwards and maybe shaking coach's hand regardless.
1: Ah, but. We can do it when we storm the field.
0: There you go. I <laughs> <laughs> love it, man. I love it. All right, Tony. All right. We we're going to talk about North Dakota State. I think we should shelf North Dakota State and save it for next week. Oh, I think what we do is, if and we'll talk about this maybe
1: offline, if your game on Wednesday – we could release two two episodes this week. Road to Frisco, Montana State. Road to Fis- Frisco, North Dakota State. We kind of do this for NDSU. The episode will be about half as long. When we do it for them, but I think that'll be <laughs> some some two episodes this week. What do you think about that? Okay. All righty. So let's want to want to answer some coolie questions here to get out of here. Or?
0: Yeah, let's pick some golden coolie questions that are. Not as focused on breaking yeah. down the Montana Not State versus North Dakota State related. matchup quite yet. We'll hold on to those because we did have a couple of those and we appreciate every one of them.
1: Okay. You this said the there one was going to
0: be a Bobby Hulk thing. I, yeah, what, what?
1: I found it. I got it here. Blue and gold blitz. If you had a free shot and could do any WWE move to Bobby Hulk, <laughs> what move would you do and why? I don't know, man. Oh.
0: Do you have, have anything Mysterio coming to, to mind? I don't off.
1: know a lot of WWE moves. I don't watch a lot of wrestling anymore. I used to, but it's been a while.
0: Yeah, I think I, Mysterio, I think I would just want to throw to him do. out of
1: the ring, honestly. Just straight throw him up and over the ropes out of the ring. Onto a table. That'd be pretty <laughs> satisfying. <laughs> just the table that cracks. He's he just sits there and like puts his hand up in the back and rides around in pain like they do. Like, yeah, that'd be pretty 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 satisfying. <laughs>
0: I'm just thinking of you and Bobby Halk squaring off inside the ring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're not squaring uh, off in this scenario. He doesn't fight back or do anything to me. <laughs> uh, I was like Grandma. I do funny. like that fake stomp thing, and then I just like, and I just like throw him out of the ring, up and over the ropes. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> Yeah, my gosh! You guys may or may not have had speedos on. In my
1: thought. oh no, no! <laughs> cut, cut oh. the mic, producer. Cut, cut the mic. Voice <laughs> cut off.
0: Beep. Technical, technical uh, difficulties. <laughs> I would do the top jump. I would. Do, I would go on the like the pads in the corner, like Ray Mysterio used to do, and do do like this big frog jump and just like land on top of Bobby Halkin and just yeah. knock him out. That'd be so much yeah. fun. My second one would be like a. Uh, is it the
1: people's elbow
0: by like, like Diamond
1: Dallas Page, where he slaps his elbow and then flies and just lands with the elbow like or in his chest or something? That would that'd be a good one. You could do the Stone Cold Stunner. <laughs> yeah, do I get to do? Do I get to chug a whole bunch of beer like S- Steve Austin before I do do it?
0: Because that's even better. Oh, Goldberg used to have this really good move where he would—I uh, don't know—he would like invert the guy and then just slam him down, and it was like his finishing move. All of them sound fun, right? They like, all sound great. Just, yeah. Well, <laughs> good, like, good I, I like you're like, throwing him off onto a table, though, and then doing, like, a... We could do that and then do my jump off of the ropes onto the table. There we go. Onto Bobby Hulk, There you go. There we go. There I'll is.
1: throw him out, and then you jump on him while he's laying <laughs> right next to the table he crashed into.
0: Is Bobby Hulk good for the big sky? Honestly. Yeah, probably. You think so? Do you Do you <laughs> think... Do you agree in the in the uh, people being coaches being intimidated by Bobby Hulke? No. Yeah, I don't either.
1: I don't know if I buy that. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's how it used to be, but I don't even know if it ever used to be. Like he's just a, he's just a dude, and you meet him in person, he's not quite the the guy on the camera. I'm a little bit more personable. <laughs> All right. It's the nicest thing I'll ever say about Bobby Hulk. He doesn't <laughs> suck quite as bad off Mike. <laughs> Gosh.
0: All right. We have another uh golden coolie from our good buddy WBTFG. If you could choose anyone, who would you have give the pregame speech to the team?
1: It's a good question. I don't have an answer off the top of my head. Do you got anything or do I need to stall?
0: Ah, Well, if I'm going players, I'm going Daniel Hardy. So you're thinking like, yeah, that's actually a good good call.
1: Somebody currently on the team. Didn't really think about that. If if I'm going someone currently on the team, I would almost go Tai I I think he's passionate. I think he gave a good speech. So could Daniel Hardy. Those are two good choices. I was more thinking like Bobcat legends, ex-players, coaches who could come back. I'm trying to think of someone who has won a championship, national championship, that could come back. I mean, Sonny Holland, he, he, I just don't think he's firing enough. I don't know if he's the guy you want making that speech at this point.
0: Maybe Travis so, Lule.
1: Lule. Lule. is a good orator. I think he would be a good one to get fired up. He won a championship in the in the CFL, at least. So he he, he has a a top-level championship. So I guess, yeah, I think Lule would probably be my guy f- for anybody not involved in the program at the moment. Got it. Good question.
0: Good question. Lule,
1: lule, lule, lule.
0: Such a legend.
1: Three yes or no questions. Joe Bobcat, if you could fly free of cost, but all passengers, but you were Bison fans, would you take that flight? I know you probably would because your flights weren't very cheap. So you'd fly with a whole bunch of Bison fans for free?
0: Sure. Absolutely.
1: Bison fans, like most fans, are a lot better in person than they are online. So, yeah, I'll take that, especially if, if it's a like a Horizon Air where they give you beer. Absolutely. For free. Yeah. I think I would do it. Would you? Yes. Yes. If your hotel room was free, but the rest of the floor you were on was all Bison fans, we'd take the room? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. It'd be fun to hang out with. (laughs) I think everyone would just hang out and have a beer and just enjoy FCS football together in my perfect little world in my head. Maybe it wouldn't be that case. If your game ticket was free and you had to sit in your assigned seat, which is completely surrounded by Bison fans, would you take the free ticket? That's my least preferable of these options. I don't like sitting in visitor sections in particular. I never have really enjoyed that. Like if you you go to a, a game and you're surrounded by the other teams, like home fans, I don't know. I don't love that.
0: <laughs> no, I don't love it it's either. It's kind of
1: funny. Our tickets might be that in Frisco. We booked the, uh, <laughs> we we decided to <laughs> splurge and get the VIP tickets, which I have no idea are worth worth what they cost. But who knows, man? It's not really an assigned Bobcat area. We could be surrounded by by Bison fans for all I know. So maybe yeah. this is the answer, but uh, th- I would say no on this one. Because at the time, nice. the tickets weren't very expensive. Now, right now, yes, if I didn't have a ticket and it was free, I'd say myself $500 for a ticket. Absolutely, I'll sit anywhere. But when we bought it, we bought it back when there was still a fair amount of seats available. The answer was no, while there was availability. <laughs> I'll pay $80 to not sit next to a sea of green. <laughs> I'm okay with that one.
0: What are people saying as far as, like, the percentage Bobcat Bison fan? I have no idea. I'm hearing anywhere from, like, 60-40
1: Bobcats to, like, 70-30 Bison. So (laughs) I'm hoping for 50-50 is what I'm hoping for at the end.
0: Yeah. I think
1: it would be better, but the Bison fans all buy their up a lot of the uh, general public sale tickets way back in, like, August.
0: What color are we wearing? We got to be wearing
1: blue, right? That's uh there's a thread on the Bobcat Nation. What should we wear? Everyone's saying blue because yellow is bison colors. I think bison wear a lot of yellow to these things. So we got to be blue in my opinion. If you have like a gray Bobcat shirt, that would probably work too, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try blue.
0: What are you going to wear?
1: I don't have a blue Bobcat shirt. I know. <laughs> Actually well, like, I do. So, I do. I just don't know the, what the weather's going to be. I haven't looked that far ahead.
0: Well, the last 3 games I've wore the same outfit each time and each time it's it's not it's not something like it's like a little Bobcat shirt that I have that the stadium's on it and then I had like a, just like a sweatshirt over the top of it and I've wore that the last 3 games. I feel like I want to wear yeah. that again. I mean, we've we've been cooking in that that combo. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the problem for me is that shirt that I've wore for Sam Houston State and South Dakota State is a green Eddie Bauer shirt, and I can't wear green. I was thinking about do I sneak it under the shirt I'm the other shirt I'm wearing, like put on a blue Bobcat shirt with the green undershirt. Like, how do I how do I pull this one off? This is, a, this is You can't a wear green. I cannot, I cannot wear a green?
0: No, you're just gonna have to eat that. And you just can't wear green. Well, if we lose, we know why.
1: <laughs> didn't wear my green shirt my uh, well, random the green scapegoat. shirt that I wore two weeks in a row because it, it worked against Sam Houston State so let's do it again alright <laughs> <laughs> alright do we have any we have to have other not spe- super specific game questions don't we or is that I it?
0: got one from Rocky Bearcat which I love that name Rocky Bearcat how are the Bobcat fans tailgating in Frisco with no rental car? I guess I'll be wandering around with a 30-pack of Bush Light. <laughs>
1: you probably need that more than a 30-pack from what I'm understanding and reading. <laughs> Bison fans always claim they like sell the whole city of Frisco out of beer. But yeah, there's going to be tons of Bobcat fans. There's going to be tons of Bison fans. I think, yeah, I, that's a good plan. I think you just walk around with some beer and make a bunch of friends and drink a bunch of beer with some some good people.
0: I was reading up on Bisonville. It sounds like there is a a side that the Bison have as far as like the uh parking goes where they they do their tailgates, obviously Montana State. I I mentioned this prior to, where We're going to get there and we're be like, "What are we doing? I hope somebody has a plan because I feel like a lot of us are going to get there and go, "Where do we go?" <laughs> so we should find out wherever the Bison pl- fans <clears throat> plan on being and
1: Beat them to the spot and take over their normal spot and throw them off their game. Ooh,
0: I like that. Yeah. Let's go. So we Let's we do need that. Get a big
1: group of Bobcat to fans them. to show up at like <laughs> four in the morning and claim those spots and make the bison go to a different spot and and yeah, that's how we throw their mojo off. Find out where Don't they're name. gonna be and like find out whatever bar they want to go to and pack that place full of Bobcat fans so they can't even get a table. <laughs> Damn it. This is
0: This is the one spot where I really kind of hope that you and I just doing this podcast gives, gets us a little bit of an invite here and there. (laughs) Like we have not asked for much on this podcast, but if you listen and you have some connections, you know, there's just going to be some fun stuff going on and you want to hang out with Ryan and I just give us a, drop us a line. I'm not, I'm not making any promises where we're going to be, but it'd be cool to know about some cool things going on. Well,
1: that would be be fun. It'd be fun to hang out with some other Bobcat fans, and yeah, like if you guys got an event or something, and you uh, don't mind us hanging out, invite us. Otherwise, we'll we'll throw a tailgate out of the back of our little rental car, and we'll make it our <laughs> own thing. Either way, gonna have a
0: uh, awesome time. All right, I think that's all I want to do for the Bobcat or the Golden Cooley questions. Everything else is more matchup specific, and I think we can get into that and uh, next week. Sounds good. All right. Yeah, that was fun. We'll do an, a similar version of this
1: for the Bison and kind of talk about how they ended up in Frisco and what they did, made adjustments or whatever they did to get there. We'll release that one probably Friday. This will come out on Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. You can find us on Twitter, rrcatcast. You can find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. You can always email us at rrcatcast at com. Fully, let's get out of here with the Go Cats. Go Cats. Go Cats!